0: Esther in the Old Testament. If you've never read Esther in its entirety, I encourage you to do so. Um, It's a different book. It's one that, you know, often in the church we do not read that often. I don't really know or remember if it's part of the lectionary. Um, But it's definitely an interesting book and it's a good read and it talks a lot about God without really talking about God. And with that... um, We'll read just some portions from the book. If you'd like to follow along, the, the, book on Esther, or the story on Esther, chapter 20, starts on page 275 in our books. If you'd like to follow along in your Pooh Bible, uh, the book of, of Esther comes right before Job. And so it's only a few pages. It's nine chapters long. It's very short. But the book of Job is longer, and so if you can find Job, Esther's right there in the front of it if you'd like to follow along the story begins with this. this this is what happened during the time of xerxes the xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from india to kush at that time king xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of susa and in the 3rd year of his reign he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials the military leaders of persia and Med- media the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present On the next page, it says, On the seventh day of a feast, King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine. He commanded the eunuchs to bring him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. So the king decides there's going to be a search. And it says, now in the citadel of Susa, a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jer, son of Shimei, son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehokeen of Judah, Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother, this young woman who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. It continues. When the turn came for Esther to go to the king, she asked for nothing. And Esther won the favor of all who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence. And the king was attracted to her more than any of the other women. She won his favor and approval more than any of the others. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. The king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. The last passage I want to read is on page 282. Haman has has issued the proclamation that the Jews will all be killed on a certain day of the year. Mordecai has heard of it. Mordecai has come to Esther and is sending her messages through a messenger. Mordecai's words to her. Do not think because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance of the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I mentioned earlier that Esther was a different book. In fact, as I have read it this last week, I have to admit, there are not many times that I have read it, There is not much time I've spent studying it before preparing for this sermon and reading the different commentaries on it and some of the other books about it. Esther is intriguing. Esther is intriguing for a number of reasons. One being that it never specifically lists the name of God as part of the book. God is not named in this book of the Bible, nor is the covenant between God and His people really referenced in the way that it is in other books of the Old Testament. That makes Esther a little bit different. Esther also occurs in a city that's very far from where the majority of the Bible occurs. It occurs in Susa, which on our map here is the red triangle to the right. It's to the right of Babylon. Babylon is the capital city of the Babylonians. They've now been conquered by the Persians. The Persians also have their capital city there in Babylon. And so uh, the Susa has become a winter residence for the king where there's a vast temple, there's a great estate and the king lives there during the winter months. It's about 200 miles east of Babylon as you can see. And so it's interesting that this book happens outside of Babylon, outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel and Judah. It happens in a different land and it happens during the time of the exile. Or post-exile, when when there are still Jews that are living in a different lands, where they've been taken when Nebuchadnezzar conquered the Babylonians. Some of the Jews, if you remember last week, 50,000 of them chose to return to the land of Judah and Jerusalem. And in this week's story, we're following the story of some who chose to stay for whatever reason. Today's story is also different. Because the book of Esther doesn't have any um, archaeological evidence linked to it. In 1947, a bunch of scrolls were found, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Many of you have heard of them outside Qumran in Israel by the Dead Sea. There are no fragments of this book that were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so they think the authorship of this book was somewhere between 522 BCE and about 386, I think, if I remember correctly. And so roughly in that 200-year period, this book was, was written. And so it's interesting that there's very little linking it to historical artifacts or archaeology. I think this book is different, though, because it tells the story of a young Jewish woman who is in a faraway land that in whatever reason, she finds herself married to a Gentile king. It's just different. It reads differently. It's a different kind of story than you and I are used to reading in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament, in many of the stories that we have read, it's talked about covenant and about God keeping the covenant. And in this story, it shows us that God's at work. But it shows us that God is at work in different ways to make His plan a reality. It didn't occur in Jerusalem but yet, the events that happened in Susa helped to protect those who were in Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem and Judah were, were one of the 127 provinces that Xerxes had as part of his kingdom. We can see in today's story about how Esther, even in this faraway land, can work, and about how God can deliver the people of Israel, even from a land that they had not even returned to. See, I think as we read this story, and as I was reading it this last week, I thought there's three different stories in this story. The first one is the story of Haman. Haman was an Agagite. An Agagite is a descendant of of King Agag, who was an Amalekite. If you'll remember in 1 Samuel, Saul was fighting the Amalekites, Saul and the people of Israel, and Samuel had told them, God is going to deliver these people into your hand, and you are to destroy everything when you defeat them. But Saul didn't. Saul defied what Samuel had told him. Saul kept King Agag of the Amalekites alive as well as others. They kept some of the animals alive that were of good stock and and tried to keep them for themselves. And and that was part of Saul's undoing. But in this book it it ties Haman, Haman to the Amalekites who were the first enemies of Israel. We could also read this story today. Well, from Haman's viewpoint, because Haman is prideful. And he uses his position to get himself favor above others. And he uses his position in some ways to, to set the king against the Jews and others. We can read it in terms of Haman's story and see what happened to him because of how he allowed his pride to get the best of him. We can also read this story from the viewpoint of Mordecai. Mordecai was a Jewish man. He was Esther's uncle. He lived there in Susa. It says that he was a gatekeeper, or he kept one of the doors that I think entered uh, the king's palaces. We can read Haman's story and see, or Mordecai's story and see about a story of faith and of truth and of belief and of believing that even in this faraway land, God was present and God was working in their lives. Mordecai was the one that told Esther that she was put in her place for just such a time as this. That God had put her in the palace for in this time and in this place for a reason. Because we can also read this story from Esther's story. And look at her and look at her experience as she became the wife of a king. And look and see how God chose to use her experience to make his plan a reality. But this morning we have to begin by just looking at the story. The king was a mighty king. He had reigned for three years. He began to have and he had summoned all of the governors from all of the provinces to to Susa. And they were having a feast that was a six month long ordeal where he had shown them all of the riches of the kingdom. All of the gold, everything. And then they were having a seventh day feast. And it says that the king had had too much wine and he called for his wife to come. Everything was available to those that were eating. The food, the wine, everything. But Xerxes decides that it's time to show off the queen. And he sends for her and he rejects her. And he burns with anger. And then he's advised by his counselors that he is to demonstrate to her what should happen. He should make her circumstance and her defying him a an example for the rest of the women of the kingdom, so that they don't get the same idea. That's all I'm talking about that passage. Um, and so Xerxes basically they imprison Vashti in the in the king the palace. She's taken. She's no longer the queen. And so he sends an order out that. All the other women, the young women who are beautiful, should be brought to the palace and made queen, whichever one wins his heart. And so we read a story today about a summons that's sent out to all the provinces that the beautiful young women should come, where they would be prepped for a year in order to appear before the king. One of the commentaries was I was reading said that the women actually spent six months doing one thing and then you know and eating right and doing all this, and then the next six months, they prepared their, them with myrrh and, and doing all this other stuff. It was like a spa for a year that these women were part of. And that's where we find Esther, who's this young woman who lives with her uncle Mordecai, and they live in Susa, and she was told to go to the palace. And Mordecai had told her, "Don't tell them that you're Jewish." Keep your nationality, keep your faith a secret. But just go and see what happens. And we read a story of how her heart, of how she went and how when she went to the king, she won his heart and she was made the queen. And the story goes on, we're introduced to Haman, who I said was an Agagite, a descendant of Agag, king of the Amalekites. And Haman used his position as a way to abuse others, as a way to make himself more important, as a way to gain things in the kingdom. And the story unfolds that Haman does not like Mordecai, because Mordecai will not bow to him when he enters the temple, when he enters the palace. And so Haman goes to the king, and and he has cast lots, or dice, whatever you want to call it, to determine a day that he's going to kill all the Jews. And so Haman goes to Xerxes, and he has this day in mind, and he tells him, you know, there's everyone in this kingdom that follows you, but one one group of people. And if you want everyone to follow you, then you need to deal with this one group of people, if that's your pleasure. And so Xerxes says, do what you need to do, and so Haman does it. And he sends out a letter, a proclamation to all of the provinces, saying that on the thirteenth day of Adar... All of the Jews are to be killed in the kingdom. Mordecai hears of it. This word is posted throughout the kingdom. People are upset. In fact, it says in Susa that the people didn't even understand what was happening, those that were living there. But Mordecai hears of it. And I said earlier that Mordecai was someone that, that he was believing in God and he trusted that God would do what God needed to do to deliver his people. And so Mordecai sent word to his niece in the temple. Or the palace, I'm sorry. And her servants came and said, your uncle's out there and he's in sackcloth. And and she said, well, send him clothes. And Mordecai said, that's not what I need. I need you to go to the king. And Esther at first said no, because Persian tradition and other sources have verified this, that you couldn't approach the king unless you were summoned. You would be put to death. And she said that to Mordecai and he said, but you've been put in your position because God has put you there for just such a time as this. God's put you there for such a time as this. For right now, for today, for the situation that we're experiencing, for the persecution that is upon us. God has put you there for such a time as this. And so the story goes that Esther appeared before the king. And she sat and shared a meal with him and Haman. And then the next day she invited them. She said, come to my palace tomorrow and I'll prepare the two of you a meal. And it was there that the story unfolded and she presented to the king what was happening. And that she was Jewish and what was going to happen to her people. See, the story also has a twist because Haman falls near her and the king thinks that he's getting too close to her and and the king has Haman killed. And so Esther is given all of his land and Mordecai becomes an advisor. All because she listened when he said that this may be the time, this may be the reason that God has put you where you are today. So I don't know what you take from this story. Historically, we can look at this story and we remember it because it is the, it's the festival of Purim that those of the Jewish faith still celebrate as they remember when, when Mordecai sent out an, an edict to all of the Jews reminding them and telling them that on this day you are to arm yourselves because the king's law to kill you cannot be overturned but you can defend yourself. And be fine. So I don't know if you look at this story. And if you see a perfect example of what it means to live in pride. And to use your pride. And to allow your pride to so govern who you are. That you're blinded to the other things that are happening in your life. Like Haman. I don't know if this story is is an example for you of Mordecai. Like Mordecai's life of someone who is willing to put their faith and hope and trust in God above all else. See, but I think as I read this story this week, I hear the words of of Mordecai to his niece Esther. When he says, God has put you, well not God, he didn't say God, but he said, you're put here for a time like this. You know, you've been placed in this place, in this palace, for the reason that God has put you there for today. It's not an accident, it's not a byproduct of chance. God has placed you there. So that his will can be achieved in building relationship with his people, in saving his people once again, and offering this world once again an opportunity for relationship with him. See, Esther was put in, in a place for, at that time so that she could save the people, even in faraway Jerusalem, in Judah in the land of Israel. So that God's plan for perfect relationship could continue. So that Jesus Christ could be sent into this earth. So that He could die for our sins. So that you and I could approach Him. And so that we could receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it's all because she was willing to be aware and alert. And to listen. And to think that maybe God did put her in that place. On that day and in that time for that purpose. See, I think Esther's story can remind us that God can use us wherever we are at and in whatever relationships we are in and in whatever situations we find ourselves. God can help us to to further His plan. Of reaching out into this world and building His kingdom. A perfect vision of of what it means to be in relationship with Him. And that's something that comes to us through uh, through Jesus Christ. I think it's us not taking each day for granted. Instead waking up each day and saying, God how can you use me this day? To further your plan for building relationship with your people of growing in in my knowledge of you and growing in, in my ability to share with others who you are and of how you've touched and changed my life. See, God's put us in this place in this time right now today for to accomplish His plan. And we have to live each day thinking that God has put us in the place that He needs us to be so that His plan can be fulfilled. Now I'm not saying that that even when we face bad things and negative things that God brings those on to us. But I'm saying that God can use us wherever we are at to make His plan a reality for this world. So that others can see, so that others can hear, so that others can experience the grace and life that you've been given through God and through Jesus Christ and so that they can be filled with the Holy Spirit and experience it themselves. See, Esther's story is about Living life. And it's about believing and trusting that God has placed you on this earth and in the relationships that you are in so that you can change your own circle of the world. So that you can offer Christ. So that you can offer grace. So that you can live in hope and faith. So that others can see. So that others can know. So that others' lives can be changed. Just as yours has been changed. And just as mine has. See, I have to live each day to the fullest. Because God has put me in the place that He has called me to be so that we can be in ministry. God has put you in the places that you are in so that you can serve Him and so that you can be in ministry. But to do that, we have to take every day And view it as a gift. A way that God is choosing to use us once again. A way that God is is choosing to place us where we need to be. So that others can experience this grace and this hope and this life. That you and I have experienced. See Mordecai told Esther. One word, or one phrase. He said, no matter what happens, even if you go, even if it doesn't work, God's plan is still going to be lived out. But he said, you've been put in this place for a reason. Don't take it for granted. Don't minimize the opportunity that you have. But step forward in faith. Step forward in faith and believe that God is with you so that His plan can be made a reality in this world. A plan of life. A plan that's ruled by love. A plan in which His kingdom is proclaimed and all who come to encounter Him and whose lives are changed are transformed by the power of God in their midst. And so I encourage you each day to wake up and say, I've been put on this earth for today. So I can touch others' lives. So that my life can be changed. And so that I can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> if I can invite you all to join me now as we close and sing.